Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net. And be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Google Play Music, on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and on the Overcast app for iOS. Plus, if you still aren't aware, NHTE is now available on Spotify, so be sure to follow the show on there. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who was on this show way back on episode 13, which was recorded in 2014 when we were talking about the publishing deal she had just signed, the new album she was releasing, the tour of Alaska she was about to go on, plus it was mentioned then that she had performed at CMA Fest. This time around, unfortunately, she is speaking from the perspective of an individual who has been battling cancer for a year now and how that has impacted not only her music career, but her life. You have been hearing a song of hers entitled Erase Me. Please help me welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Hope Cassidy. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Hope. Thanks for making time to talk with me on on another less than 100% day for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of had a, a surgery in between when we spoke last and now, so I'm, I'm recovering at home, but um, but doing well. Good. Well, I almost feel like it isn't even right for me to say, tell us about the song of yours that was just playing called Erase Me, but as I'm sure you're <laughs> going to tell us, that's probably exactly part of your daily battle. So go ahead then and talk about that song, Erase Me. Um, that's a song that I... I actually, it's it's one of those songs that I rewrote eight or nine times because I felt like the 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 meaning of the song meant so much more than the lyrics I had each time. So I, I kind of rewrote it several times and ended up with, in a co-write with Brent Harrison, who's a longtime friend from my hometown. And he and I just ended up finding that the, the right words that, that fit the song. And we recorded it about four years ago, but since I've been ill, I decided to bring it back up this year. Um, it's never been released, so it's uh, it'll be new to listeners this year, so I'm excited about that. But when you say it was rewritten eight or nine times, was it ever recorded or not until it had been rewritten eight or nine times and decided? It was, it was, it was recorded um, demo-wise, but not, okay. not anything that was mastered or ready to, to go out. No, I just re- it reworked it and rewrote it. Um, it never did click. And then when I wrote it with Brent, it was like, okay, that was exactly what we were trying to say. So wow. um, <clears throat> I'm really happy with it. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, listeners, uh, Hope, as you're going to hear, this is a very different interview. It's probably something that is overdue in terms of us just addressing real life. And I'm not saying that the other interviews on this show that you hear every week are not real life. Some of the guests obviously do talk about struggles that they're going through, whether it's with their music career, whether it's something that they're just not really all the way at peace with yet. But this is something that I had written a blog about at one point on the website 
And it's just really time that we bring Hope back on the show. It's been a year, as, as you're about to hear, in terms of what she's been dealing with. But this is real life. And, and so I don't want to minimize the struggles of independent musicians, independent artists. I know that it does all get very challenging and that there's times when you just feel, you know, is it all worth it? Or you think that the things you're dealing with are so bad. But this is someone who is dealing with something much bigger than all of that. And the the blog that I had written was February of last year, February 5th of 2018. If you want to look it up on the website, the headline said, Music Makers Face Real Life Challenges Too. And Hope was one of the people that were mentioned in that blog. I had mentioned that, unfortunately, J.R. Bird, he's a singer-songwriter who is the guest way back on episode 38 of this show, he's no longer with us. He was taken by colon cancer at the age of just 36 years old. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little choked up. And we've also lost C.J. Watson, who was the guest on episode 41 of this show. So it's great. I love doing this show. I love talking about the music that the guests are making and having these conversations every week. But this is something that we need to talk about and admit that is happening in in the music community as well as any other community out there. So Hope, in preparation for today's conversation, I was looking at the GoFundMe that had been set up for you February 1st of last year. And on there, you wrote that you had just found out on January 16th that at age 37, you had cancer. So maybe let's first start by having you talk about where you were in your music career at that point so that the listeners have an idea of where things stood before this all came down? Well, I had just survived a kind of a three-year battle with my father who had passed away from a long-term illness um, of hepatitis C with liver liver failure. And I had bounced back from that. I had got gotten, you know, two years under my belt where I had been touring again relentlessly in the southeast you know, Georgia, Florida, all the way out to Texas, you know, mainly focusing on, um, uh, focusing on pursuing original gigs, you know, and also doing cover gigs and, um, just kind of pounding the pavement. And then I started noticing, um, you know, throughout that, that, you know, momentum was happening and, you know, just, just stars aligning, um, you know, meeting the right people at the right time. Um, so I felt like this this momentum build, and actually January sixteenth was was the date that I found out I had a, a radio deal, which was going to put my wow. song, my new single, "If I Only Had a Heart," which I wrote with um, Rob Redwine. Um, he was so gracious to bring that song to me, and and um, in its version, and we had a little bit of a you know, a click with that song. And, and so it took us places and, and was going places. I felt like, um, and I had a radio deal with about 380 radio stations mm. and it was going to be, um, it was going to be, a, a finally kind of, uh, kind of finally coming into it, my own with my career. I felt like I was finally getting that validation wow. that I needed wow. as an independent artist. Wow. So that was January 16th of last year that, that you got the news yeah. about the radio deal. And so, yeah. so then getting back to the cancer diagnosis, explain not only about the type of cancer that you were diagnosed with, but also what was going on that led you to a doctor, I presume, in the first place and ultimately led to the diagnosis? 
Um, I always struggled with um, endometriosis, which is a, a thing. Uh, it's an autoimmune disorder that a lot of women suffer from um, and don't know that they suffer from it because it's, it presents itself as, you know, as cramping during a menstrual cycle. Well, that, that initially became my problem. Um, so I went to a doctor for a surgery for that. Um, after six years of going to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, wow. and every one of them telling me nothing was wrong, wow. um, I finally found a doctor that would listen to my symptoms, and, and I explained that I had weight gain and nausea during shows. I would get really nauseous mm. and um, for no reason, you know, and I had all these symptoms that were mimicking, you know, just just maybe a really bad cycle for for a woman, but they were 10 times worse. Mm. And so, and then I, I developed a huge weight gain um, and a lot of other complications from it, fatigue and, and, and things like that. So this doctor listened and they did an exploratory surgery and they um, actually, when they were in there, they thought it was a cyst. And so it ruptured and the cancer spilled inside of me. Later they biopsied and found out I had two types of cancer. Uh, one of them was contained so I chose to never learn that type of cancer <laughs> because I knew I had a bigger fight with the other type, which was adenoma carcinoma. And it was uh, ovarian cancer. That's a mouthful, like Wozniak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're definitely, um, I, I just say ovarian cancer to most folks. Um, okay. it, in my case, it was a 1%. I'm a 1% uh, case because mm. most women don't get this type of cancer at my age usually uh women who get this type of cancer over the age of 65 Um, so it's definitely a rare type of cancer the doctor actually sent the records off to several different labs to be sure that it was that type of cancer well now you said that you went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor before someone finally Mm -hmm. listened so i know that you're originally Mm -hmm. from alabama i introduced you as being in nashville where was all mm-hmm. this taking place? Because when you say doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, mm-hmm. I'm envisioning you at some point going to a different state. Was that the case? And like I said, where, yeah. did, where did you originally start going, in, in Alabama or in Tennessee? Well, I started in Tennessee. I went to, and saw doctors in Alabama. I had seen doctors in Georgia, which was where I was when uh, the surgeon uh, did the first exploratory surgery. Um, and they actually presumed that it wasn't cancer upon finishing the first surgery, but when, once it was sent off to biopsy, that it was it did come back to be that cancer, and that's a really aggressive. Um, it, it's one of the top five killers. They call it a silent killer in women because it's it's one of those cancers that doesn't present until it's really um, far gone. Wow. And wow. my cancer had came back. It came back within three weeks of them removing it. So by February 13th, I was in the ER again Mm. and they had, they told me that they told me that I had cancer and I was like, no, you don't understand. They've already taken the cancer out. And they're like, no, you, you have cancer. And it had spread. Um, it spread and grown around my bladder and kidneys and, and colon. And there was actually a little fatty tissue that was separating those major organs from the cancer protruding through. So I was Mm. very lucky in the fact that they could do surgery. They did surgery again February 15th, and then they got the rest of it. 
Yeah, I was going to say that as strange as it sounds to say this expression under these circumstances, it sounds like it was actually a blessing because, as you said, it could have been a silent killer, yet they were right. able to to properly diagnose in time. But it sounds to me, and, and I'm asking this in the form of a question, it sounds to me like that mm-hmm. like you're saying that when you had that first surgery, you were under the impression that as long as they get it, then I'm done when in fact it was, well, we sent it out to be biopsied. So did they tell you beforehand, listen, you know, we're going to take it out, but that doesn't mean you're done? Or was it a a total surprise to you? It was a total shock. I actually wrote a blog and and people could look back on that, that time period and see the blog I wrote. I wrote a blog basically telling women, you know, don't get a hysterectomy if you don't have to, because I almost did an entire hysterectomy just per the doctor's um, kind of suggestion um, because of endometriosis. And I was like, look, you don't have to, you know, here I am that they took all this out and, you know, I may be able to have kids. Um, That was one thing that they told me when they came out of the, out of the the surgery that they got everything and that it was, you know, I was good to go basically. So I didn't know um, up until the 24th of January when they sent pathology to three different places that, that it was it was cancer and it was a bad 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 cancer. So. Okay, and so then you just told us that there was a second surgery on February. I think you said fifteenth. And yeah. so, how fast after that did things start happening? Meaning treatments, everything that goes along with that. Relative to how fast after that did did your life really change? And it obviously impacted everything that you were doing musically. Oh, my life. From from January 8th, honestly, the first surgery and on was when my life drastically changed. All this was so fast. Um, it was like, oh, you have a radio deal. Oh, wait, you have cancer. Wow. <laughs> oh, wait, you, you know, uh, well, no, oh, wait, you don't have cancer. Oh, wait, you do have cancer, you mm. know, and then now you have it twice. Um, within the two surgeries, it was just so overwhelming. I was moving at the time. Oh, gosh. Um I mean, literally, my move-out date was February 15th, mm. so I was essentially homeless <laughs> um, at the same time, um, so I had a gracious friend take me in, and uh, so immediately, my, my life changed. I was living in a different house with different people, and, you know, people were forming a team around me, which I'm so grateful for, um, to, to take me to chemo and to, to handle all this, because I felt very ill very quick. Um, my body just couldn't handle all of the surgeries and things and it was not, um, it was not accepting it well. Um, so I went straight from the, sorry, I'm emotional too. Um, the February 15th surgery into two weeks of recovery and, uh, and then immediately into chemotherapy. So that first chemo was pretty pretty rough because I was still recovering, you know, from the soreness of surgery. So does there come a point in time, and I don't necessarily mean denial, but does there come a point in time where, as you just described, someone tells you that you have cancer, oh, no, you don't, oh, yes, you do. Does there come a point in time where you say, I think I need to get a second opinion, or is it, you know, Bruce, this is cancer, you don't ask, if someone tells you you have cancer, you don't get a second opinion, you you just right away move as quickly as you can to how do we treat it well 
I, I say I gauge all of this by the looks on my doctor's faces. Um, they told me everything I needed to know about a second opinion um, because when it when I had it the first time, the doctor that told me um, was just a, an OBG surgeon, and he looked devastated. Um, so I knew I felt like he was looking at a ghost and I was like, Oh gosh, this can't be good. Mm. So when I went to my oncologist and her face seemed the same, I did ask at the end of our appointment, do you think I have time for a second opinion? And she said, no, we don't Mm. have time for that. Um, she said, you can, you can go get one, but I wouldn't recommend it because it's going to take time and that's, we don't want this to get worse. So, um, Really, essentially, I felt like I didn't have a choice. I was not one to, to, I was really for holistic treatment and things like that before going into this. But as soon as they told me that I would need chemotherapy, I was like, I don't really have a choice. I didn't feel like I did. It was like, go, you know, go time. (laughs) So I just put my cowgirl boots on and cowgirled up and said, okay, here's what I got to do. And uh, if I'm going to have to do it, we're going to make it fun. So we started dressing up like superheroes every time we went to chemo. um, Oh, God bless you. I mean, to to have that. I mean, I'm I'm choked up right now. And and I'm sitting here knowing that that this is the point in the show where I'm supposed to talk about Tascam. And it's just it's just tough. It's tough. I mean. I, I, my hat is off to you that, that you, that you did that mm-hmm. because I, I'm sorry, listeners. I know that I've done a, a pretty admirable job for almost five years here, but this is, <laughs> this is, this is tough to hear. And, and I'm just the one that's interviewing the person that, that has it. And, and like I said, uh, my apologies to Tascam. I'm going to do my best here, <laughs> but, oh, I just, you know, I, I want to give hope a chance to catch her breath. Listeners, I want to give you a chance to, I don't want to say pause because I want to tell you about Tascam, <laughs> but uh, wow, yeah. this is, this is really heavy stuff. Uh, if you are someone that is doing any kind of recording, whether it's demos or even singles or EPs or full albums that you're releasing, if you're recording your live shows, please check out Tascam. If you listen to this show regularly, you hear me talk about them all the time and all the gear that I have from them, and you hear a lot of my guests talk about their experiences with them. If it has to do with recording equipment, Tascam has it. Microphones, mixers, headphones, audio interfaces, handheld recorders, the list goes on. Check it all out at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. See, I'd like to say that in my own words every week, but I wish I had someone else to say it for me because... Uh, well, Hope, I, I want to make sure that listeners understand where you are today in your health because listeners, in fact, Hope and I were actually supposed to do this interview, I believe, 10 days ago or a week ago or something like that, and mm-hmm. yet another incident occurred with you, unfortunately. Tell the listeners mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a problem with healing. Um, I've had so many traumas to my, you know, ab- abdomen and pelvis and um my entire stomach really they had to take out lymph nodes and the omentum which is the it's like a tissue that covers you know your organs so a lot of women who who have a hysterectomy with cancer it's not your normal hysterectomy it's 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 a very um radical um procedure well 
them having to do that and also cut out cancer in the same sense um, over and over again has caused lots of scar tissue and lots of lots of tissue that's not healing well. Um, so I had to have a repair done um, this past week. So, um, but I'm doing well. Um, it's better than the last one. I had one where in D.C. where I literally almost bled to death um, because they were they didn't know what was happening and I, I was in a waiting room for six hours and mm. so it was you know that one was pretty scary um, but I had lost so much blood from it and so I guess I I'd like to call attention to that with with women who you know. When, when you go through these types of hysterectomies and if there are any listeners out there who've been through these, you know, really listen to your doctors when they say, you know, don't lift over five pounds or anything like that, because I think I push myself too hard sometimes and have caused maybe a little bit of that because I try to get back into work immediately, you know, but I'm having to listen to my body and, you know, take it easy for a little while. Fill in a couple gaps, though. So why were you in Washington, D.C. in the first place? Um, I was going to speak at an ovarian cancer conference and um, participate and get to know my, you know, fellow cancer survivors. Um, ovarian cancer is is really um, is really in need of research, um, so I wanted to be a part of that. And I got very sick and ill during the the, the plane ride up to DC. So, but my mom came up and stayed with me during surgery and recovery, and so. Um, it was it was a good trip. I didn't get to do much with the conference, but I've I've connected with those women for for next year. So, okay. But when you say that you were bleeding for probably six hours in the waiting room, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm confused. Yes. So, yes. so did in you triage. go to did you yes. go to the hospital because of the way you were feeling on the plane, and then the six hours you were sitting and waiting and you were bleeding, and, and that that's what I'm trying to put together. Well, I had. I had um I had been been very fatigued and I got to the hotel and my actually the lady who who was um assisting one of the assistants of the hotel who was bringing things in she said ma'am you don't look so good and mm. I looked in the mirror my color was pale and white and I didn't feel well I was clammy and sweaty and but feeling like I just needed to get lay down and take a nap and I called a friend of mine she's like you know and I had some you know spotting and so I was like well maybe this is something that is you know is normal maybe after surgery if you you know if you're flying I don't know or you're traveling you know you're moving around so I thought maybe I was okay but when I told her she's like you need to have somebody check your blood pressure and you know your heart rate immediately and so I did I had a nurse come up and they said that my blood pressure um, was um, bottomed out and my heart rate was through the roof, mm. which is a sign that you're bleeding. Um, but when they got me to the waiting room, the, it's a major trauma center in Washington, D.C. It was the busiest hospital I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, so I was be, beside people who were coming in on ambulance. So I don't know that it was just negligence. It was just the amount of massive amount of people they had were it was overloaded in the hospital. So. They finally, um, when they did an x-ray and they saw free air inside, they knew I was bleeding internally, and they rushed me back to surgery right away. Okay, and then this internal bleeding that you had, as I started to say, a week ago or 10 days ago, how did you Mm -hmm. know that that was going on? 
just felt fatigued and nauseous all the time. Um, I was having a lot of um, a lot of pain, and um, it kept progressively getting worse and feeling like it did before. So I kind of knew the red flags, and so that's important. I guess you just know your body at that point after you've been through that, <laughs> you know. So um, I knew that it was time to go. So um went to the doctor, and they, they did an exam and, and found out. So they were like, we're going to send you over to the OR. But does one err on the side of caution in terms of if you're a female and you say, oh, maybe I'm just spotting, but it could also Mm -hmm. be, well, wait a minute, I've got this medical history that this could Mm -hmm. be something bigger that a doctor, you know what I'm asking? Like, how do you, how do you know where to draw the line and just write it off versus not being a hypochondriac and call the doctor every other day? It's very hard. It's very hard. That's probably one of the biggest things I've I've struggled with is that, you know, since I've grown my hair back and since I look healthy, you know, everybody tends to go, Oh, you look so great. You know, you look so great. But when you don't feel great inside, it's hard to like process those things together, you know, Mm. um, because you're going, okay, well, people say I look great. So maybe I am great. And maybe this is all in my head because, you know, I'm just scared because I've been through so much, you know, but um, I've gotten to the point where I really, really know the, the pain level that I can handle and not. And so I really gauge it by what my pain number is. And they gave me like a scale of one to 10. And when I'm like hitting a seven or a six, I'm like, okay, this is real. I need to talk to someone. Okay. Okay. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, I recently replied to someone's second email to let them know why I didn't respond to their first message. I have said this before as a bonus, but apparently it warrants repeating. This person was asking to have their band's song played on my radio station. As you know, not only am I not a radio station, but if due diligence would have been done, the findings would have been that this is an opportunity to get two songs played and a long-form interview. Instead, it got a, you need to spend more time personalizing and researching rather than copying, pasting, and mass emailing everyone on a list response. Learn from this mistake and increase your chances of getting more exposure. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Well, you have thrown out a couple of good takeaways, but one year later, mm-hmm. what have you learned from all this that can benefit someone else? Speaking first strictly in medical terms, meaning what signs can people look for? How can someone know that there might be a problem but catch it early enough? Um, Bruce, looking back on photographs um, of myself the past two 
you know, the two years that I was probably, I had it and, it, and I knew I had it. Um, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't, you know, I didn't know I had cancer, but I knew something was wrong. I was gaining weight, um, a huge weight gain. Um, they can, they say that ovarian cancer can either come with gaining weight or losing weight. Um, my, my case was bloating and I looked, um, I looked like I could have been carrying. I mean, I looked about wow. six months pregnant. At wow. Um, I was, it was my girth, my overall bloating was in my girth. So, um, that's definitely a sign. If you feel bloated all the time, um, if you feel cramps that are, that are so bad that they, you know, they debilitate you for your daily life, you know, it's interfering with work. You can't work. You can't, you know, get out of the house. Um, that type of cramp is not normal. Um, the other thing I would say is, hormone influxes um it caused my hair to fall out i had a lot of hair falling out and i i just kind of chalked that up to you know being in my 30s <laughs> you know um but it was a significant amount of hair loss so if mm. you are losing hair um it could be mean a hormone imbalance which could mean cancer okay um so you know those are signs that were really really significant to me the nausea spells felt like almost like as if um, it's a morning sickness, but it would come intermittently throughout the day. Um, so nausea spells were, were a big one for me too. Um, but mm. yeah, I mean, the weight gain would, should have been the biggest red flag for me, but I just chalked it up to being, you know, in my mid-30s and, and touring and, you know, eating on the road and things like that. But looking back gotcha. on that now, um, it was a huge red flag. Hope, let's look at another potential teaching moment for the listeners. I'm sure that you have had really bad days, really bad weeks when you didn't want to talk to anyone, but yet you did manage to post social media updates from time to time to let people know mm -hmm. how you were doing, even if it meant telling people what they didn't want to hear, meaning a really raw, mm -hmm. I'm not really doing good at all type of update. What advice can you mm -hmm. give to people who are listening right now that might be battling something bad medically in terms of their mental state? You know, in terms of, like I say, that moment that I'm sure you go through that day, that week when you say, I just don't want to talk to anyone. What advice can you give to those people? You have to do you. You have to take care of yourself first. Um, there were times where I just felt completely spent where I didn't want to answer a phone call or, you know, reply to anyone because you had to to speak about it constantly. Um, there were times where I had to unplug, and I did. I would say, hey, Facebook, I love y'all, you know, but I'm going to take a few days, and I would turn it off and, and delete it off my phone. Wow. And, you know, go sit out in a hammock somewhere. Um, I think that, oh, I did sorry. Um, I think on the flip side of that, I had an entire community of musicians and friends and family raise enough money for me to not work. Um, and, and, you know, cause I couldn't, um, but to replace that work and money that was coming in and to be able to, to buy groceries and gas and, and to eat. Um, so it was a huge um, it was also a huge, important thing for me to keep those people and loved ones updated. And it also felt very liberating to share my story honestly. 
as hard as it was to post pictures of, of me crying or, or going through chemo, it was also helping other people because people would be like, well, I'm going through this, but I'm afraid to share, but I want to share. Mm. So I think it's, I think there's a flip side. I think, you know, in one sense, you need to take time out for yourself. I had to have quiet times. I had to, I had to sit up on my balcony and read a book and listen to the birds and, and not, not be contacted by anybody. Um, and my mom and people, friends would get mad because sometimes I'd turn my phone off for days. I'm sure. But sometimes you just have to, you know, you just have to. Okay. It was a lot to process. And so, and on the flip side of that, you know, staying in touch, my music community, they did fundraisers for me and, and that helped me get through this, this time. So reach out to the people that, that do want to support you and let them support you. Let them love you during it. And listeners, God bless hope because, she had told me that she wanted to do this interview because she wants to start being someone who does speak in terms of creating awareness and doing what she was doing a few minutes ago and educating people on these are signs to look for, these are steps to take. So as much as I I should also disclose to you listeners, she's doing this at a time when she admitted to me before we pressed record today that she is still somewhat under the influence of chemo as we're talking right now. So she was saying like, if I go into a fog or if my thoughts start to ramble or whatever, so God bless her that that she's decided I'm going to use this as a platform to let people know. And, and you heard her say earlier that maybe the education level of ovarian cancer isn't quite what it is for some others. So this is something very noble that she's doing here. I applaud you for it, Hope, because a lot of people in your case would say, Bruce, if we're lucky, we'll do it in the summertime, but but not right now. So Thank you, and and I'm not thanking you for now here this entertainment. I'm thanking you for the people that need to hear this for whatever reason their their medical condition might be. Well, and they call that, I I don't want to mislead anyone. I haven't had a chemo dose in a long time. Um, When I say chemo brain to you um, earlier, it's it's something that's residual from chemotherapy. Um, I went through a um, physical therapy therapy. chemo rehabilitation program and Mm. that program actually helps with the numbness and the the symptoms from chemotherapy that are residual and they last up to 10 years sometimes they can be permanent and chemo brain is is a term that's used for kind of this fog like when you forget what you're doing or you forget what you're thinking or you know you go to a store and you don't know why you're there it's a real thing i didn't know it was real until i experienced it but it's still residual and so sometimes i'll be missed mid-song singing on stage you know and then my everything goes away Mm. you know um and sometimes that's normal for people you know we all forget things so you don't know (laughs) what it's what is what you know but but it's definitely a real thing i've gone to the store before and been like i don't even know why i'm here (laughs) so but on the music side though did did everything stop on the music side, 100% the whole last year, did did you have to turn down opportunities where either A, someone contacted you not knowing what you were going through, or B, knew that you were dealing with it, but thought that maybe you were getting better and figured, you know, maybe they thought giving you work would take your mind off of it. What did all that look like in terms of your music career throughout this? There were several missed starts where I was like, okay, I'm good. I think I can do this again. And I would book gigs and then something health-wise would happen. And I had to cancel things. Um, there were also several, like I went to the Druid City Songwriter Festival in Tuscaloosa. 
I ended up in the emergency room there mm. um, because I was kind of pushed too hard, too fast kind of thing. Um, you know, things like that happen throughout the year. So it's made it very difficult to start back booking. Um, I just booked my first show for 2019. So I'm super excited. That's my very first step. <laughs> um, but I just booked one in Nashville, Indiana um, with a good friend of mine, Carrie Ray. And so I'm super excited to build off of that. It's exciting to hear that you're doing that because when you just finished saying there could be a moment where I'm on stage and all of a sudden the lyrics just escape me because of the quote-unquote yeah. chemo brain, somebody would yeah. tell themselves, well, maybe I'm done. Maybe I shouldn't perform anymore because there's too much of a risk of that happening. I mean, I, I do have to ask you, yeah. how much of a fear do you have? I mean, what do you do in that moment when you're on stage and you go, uh-oh? Everyone who knows me, like my really close friends, they know I've had a hard time getting back up on stage. Um, they know that I've kind of pulled back, you know, and there have been opportunities I've passed on purpose because I don't feel I'm ready yet. Um, but I, I did a show at the train depot with Sarah Peacock recently, and I was at my best that I've been, I think, since all this happened. And I didn't forget anything. I did write a little cheat sheet, you know, and had it on the floor. Uh-huh. But but I didn't forget anything. And, and, and I did very well during the show as far as being comfortable on stage. So I think I've gotten past some of the fear. But it was crippling. Okay. You know, the first few times I got on stage, I really bombed. <laughs> mm. You know, I forgot everything. And I got stumbled on my words. And, you know, so there were a couple mishaps where I was like, oh, gosh, can I do this? You know, I also, I don't know if I told you this, but... You know, I had to relearn all my songs because oh my I gosh. couldn't remember them. I couldn't remember how to play them or sing them. Oh, my gosh. So I had to go back through my work tapes and listen. And, you know, if I had them charted, then I could ask friends to help me. But most of them were just relearning and re-listening wow. and teaching myself. Wow. And I'm still in a process there. I've still got about, you know, maybe 90 minutes worth of material I need to learn wow. as far as, you know, getting back out for three-hour shows, you know. Amazing. So... I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player Hope Cassidy. Visit her official website at hopecassidytours.com. And of course, that's Cassidy with a T. You will find links there to her Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Plus, of course, support Hope by purchasing her music. There is a store section on her website, and you can also download from iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon all of which there are icons for on the homepage of her website. The GoFundMe to help her with her ongoing cancer battle is still active. They're closing in on $10,000, which is great, but the goal is $30,000. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Hope for Hopi, H-O-P-I-E, GoFundMe.com slash Hope for Hopi. If you have not yet done so, join our Facebook group called NHTE Listeners. Hope is actually a member of that group if you want to quote-unquote chat with her in there and or post messages of support for her on the website for this show nhte.net you will see a button that says join our facebook group click on there become part of that community and talk with hope with myself with others that's nhte listeners and just go to nhte.net to hit the join our facebook group button to find it more easily hope looking back on the last year We all hear all the time how music has such great healing qualities. Were there ever times, though, when you might hear somebody say something like that and say, I don't care, I don't want to have anything to do with music right now? Or or was that, in fact, the one thing that you could escape to in some fashion, even if it just meant listening to music? 
it took me a long time to pick up my guitar after chemotherapy. Um, I think because it was such a personal thing that I felt like I had lost somehow. Mm. Um, losing the radio deal was a, was a real bummer <laughs> for me. Um, it was a real hard time uh, in, in kind of that. I was kind of bitter about like, well, why, why, why now? Why did it have to happen now? You know, but once I worked through that and I picked up my guitar, I wrote this song called um, Air to Breathe. And it's basically just talking about all I need is air to breathe. You know, that's that's all I need. Um, so once I wrote that first song, then it became my best friend again. Mm. Uh, then I picked it up constantly. Even when I could barely sing, I would pick my guitar up and play and noodle, you know, just in the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did that. I used that and also my art. I'm a I'm a painter. I paint impasto style paintings. And I went a lot to art because music was harder, you know, for me to remember my songs. So I would mm. get frustrated. So whenever I would get frustrated, I'd go paint and, and that seemed to, to heal as well. So okay. now I'm back in a good place with music and we're best friends again. And I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out, you know, the songs that I've forgotten and write some new ones. <laughs> Did you ever have to make a decision as to whether this was going to be a personal battle versus a public battle, meaning not letting on beyond your close family and friends what was going on? Or, or did you always decide from day one that, you know, no, I, I, I need to let lots and lots of people know about this? Um, I'm recently divorced, and my ex-husband asked me not to share the story, the battle. And I adamantly... Um, refuse that because I feel like as an as an artist the the gift that God has given us is the stage to be able to share a platform to share a story um I'm a storyteller by birth and 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 by craft and um so it, it's um it's one of those things that if you're not true to your own self and your own story, I just don't feel like you're being authentic. And I needed authenticity in my music, in my life, in my family, in the people that are close around me. And I felt like uh, sharing my story was the only way that I could help other women that are going through the same thing. Because whenever I was going through it, I looked out and reached out for women who were who were surviving. Nice. And I think being able to give that back meant a lot to me. Yeah, yeah. And listeners, as you're hearing... Hope is a guitar player. You're hearing about her song. She does play guitar. If you are, too, a guitar player, or as you heard last week from Mick Mahan, the bass player for Pat Benatar, if you play guitar or bass, or heck, even ukulele, too, for that matter, you want to be taking a look at Boulder Creek Guitars. They have something called a suspended bracing system that really makes their instruments different in the way they're made and thus and the great sound you get from them. Listen to last week's episode and hear Mick himself talk about why he chooses Boulder Creek for his bass. For that matter, go back and check out episode 241 with multi-instrumentalist Jeff Stramitz, who gigs regularly, but also just happens to be the CEO of Boulder Creek Musical Instruments, and he talks on that episode about exactly what I just described. Find other big-name artists who play their stuff and locate a dealer, at bouldercreekguitars.com. That's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. You will also see their logo on our site, nhte.net, which you can click on to go over to their site. So, Hope, I'm encouraged to hear about this 
show that you've already booked. Can you say with any degree of mm-hmm. accuracy or optimism what is in store for 2019 in terms of your music career and getting everything back on track with playing live shows and who knows, writing more songs, maybe even recording at some point? Well, I'm in a very good community of, of friends um, that I've built in Nashville. Um, I've played the Dripping Spring Songwriter Festival for years, and we've developed this camaraderie that's amazing. So I have a lot of really good friends from that festival that live here, and now I live here. So I'm hoping to get to write with them. Um, I'm also putting out a project that I went and recorded. Um, I recorded it in October of this year. I flew out to Phoenix in one of my interims of being sick, <laughs> and I, I pushed through and flew to Phoenix and recorded for a week wow. with Matthew Thornton. And uh, we're still working on the tracks from that project, but it's going to be a really different sound for for my listeners, and I'm really excited to give it to them. Um, But we just went out and recorded all of it live with the band, and um, we're going back. um, All the band stuff will be live, but the vocals I'll I'll do here, and uh, that should be out pretty soon. I I can't give you a date yet. But I know that it's coming soon. Wonderful. Um, and I also know that I'm going to release an acoustic record this year with five songs on it that wow. um, that I'm I'm working on with a good friend of mine, Sean Byrne. Wow, wonderful. Well, when you say that so. the project that you did out in Arizona is going to be a lot different from what your listeners, your fans, your followers are used mm-hmm. to hearing, without giving it away, can you at least say, you know, instead of this genre, it'll be that genre? Or what, can you just kind of open the door a little bit to give them an idea of what that sound might be? Sonically, if you you were to add my songs with some Coldplay guitars um, and, and some space, um, it, it's it's definitely different sonically. It's going to be a little bit more on the rock end than, than country. Wow, wow. And it's all the songs that I wrote during during chemotherapy during the, the the madness okay so uh i wanted a different sound for that project because i felt like that's such a different part of my life ah, so. i like it i like it and listeners you know what i'm gonna say yeah. that's all the more reason to follow her on social media so you can see mm-hmm. when hope posts about when that comes out so you can check it out in the meantime we're going to close with another one of hope's original songs she alluded to this early on it's called if i only had a heart hope before we let you go tell the listeners all about this song please Rob Redron put the song uh, in front of me. Uh, he had everything basically there, and all I did was add this melody um, that that it just stuck. And he and I just connected on this song 100%. Said we've got to release this as a single. It was the only single I was able to release last year, um, and the song that earned the radio deal. So. Now, when you say all you had to do is add the melody, does that mean that he wrote 100% of the lyrics and you wrote 100% of the melody? Yeah, in in this format. He's got another version of the song where he sings a different melody, but this is the melody uh, that we wrote for, for this this release. Okay. But it is uh, he's released it on a record of his. That's an incredible version. This is a, a really cool version of the song. And it has been uh, it's been well received, and it's got an old school kind of country feel, and people people seem to like it. So I hope the listeners do. Wonderful. Well, hope we love you. We're praying for you. We we pray that the love worst is behind you, and that we're just going to hear all about good music stuff the rest of the year and, and for years to Amen. come. Amen. <laughs> well, 
Well, that's that's what uh, that's what we're hoping for too on this end. <laughs> so Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity to share my story. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 raise awareness about this silent killer. We we've got to get the word out and let people know how to find their doctor and and what tests. Uh, one thing I do want to say is just ask your doctor for an ultrasound and a CA125 test. CAT scans and other scans can miss it, but if anything, if you're having symptoms, ask for a CA125 and an ultrasound, and those two things can can usually find it. And listeners, don't even worry about what a CA-125 is. Just tell your doctor. He or she will know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, I didn't know what it was either, but but uh, you, that's what you need to ask for. So. Well, Hope, we're, yep. we're sorry that you had to go through all this to be able to be able to champion this and, and educate people. But thank you for your courage. Thank you for your tears. Thank you for coming on and thank sharing you. your story and educating people. And uh, listeners... Take inspiration from her because she's trying her best to get back into music. And as you hear, she's going to do it. So this is uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a, a great inspiration. And we're going to continue to pray for her listeners. But at the same time, I, I want you to rally around her story, both to take care of yourself medically, but also to use it as inspiration to get out there and, and do what you've been blessed to do with the talent that God has given you. Hope, thank you again. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Hope Cassidy. Again, visit her official website at hopecassidytours.com. That's Cassidy with a T. And then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and on Instagram. Remember, you can also contribute to the GoFundMe. That's running to help Hope with her ongoing medical costs. You will find that at GoFundMe.com slash Hope for Hopi, spelled H-O-P-I-E. And of course, support her also by purchasing her music. Look for the store option on HopeCassidyTours.com. Plus, you can download her music from the likes of iTunes, CD Baby, and Amazon. Continue to follow her online so that as she starts getting back out and performing, you can go and see her perform live and give her your support in person. I want to again encourage you to join our Facebook group, which I mentioned Hope is a member of. Go to nhte.net and click on the blue Join Our Facebook Group button. Come in there to talk with her or post messages of support for her. Talk with me, talk with other listeners, talk with a few other past guests from the show. The group on Facebook is called NHTE Listeners. I look forward to seeing you in there and chatting there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Hope Cassidy. This is the one she just talked about. It's called If I Only Had a Heart. I'm glad I don't know What it feels like to hurt When you're down on your knees You're bound to get up with dirt More than a feeling More than Just like the sunshine Hey, it comes with the rain Now I'm back here again
felt his heart break So please watch me fall On the pathway to us I didn't care for the city I didn't care for this love 